test, test, test. Hey, it's Seshonarama here. I am recording this. I have no idea when I'm going to release this because there's so much stuff on the docket. The show is always on fire. Um, the, the support you guys are lending to the show, all the downloads, all the streams, all the near-do-wells saying wonderful, beautiful things about our show. Thank you. Really appreciate it. You guys look after us. So, um, what I want to talk about today is I wanted to talk about Daredevil on Netflix. Uh, my wife and I just watched just watched uh, the last episode of season three. So we are now complete. Uh, we completed Jessica Jones, which we talked about on a previous episode, and we just finished Daredevil. We've got a few of the Netflix shows left. Iron Fist, second season that we haven't watched. Uh, finished Luke Cage and Punisher. Haven't even started yet. Less interested. It's probably the one I'm the least interested in. Uh, I was never that big a Punisher guy. But anyway, all that being said, um, we finished it. I was... We watched season one. It was the first of the Netflix shows to come out. Um, I was, I'm... Uh, a Daredevil fan from Brian Michael Bendis' run uh, along with his run on Jessica Jones kind of in and around the same time in the comics and big fan of both of those so when I knew they are ringing Daredevil and Jessica Jones to Netflix in a long format longer format I was really really excited um, Daredevil came out first and that season was un- Believable. Season one um, completely exceeded my expectations. I thought there was nothing Marvel could do to follow that up with anything remotely as good. There's no way they could even... Daredevil season one, it was so good that... And I think just some podcasts uh, that, that I put out around that time where I talked about I don't know what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to do now that Daredevil's out because they've basically broken the mold for how to do a superhero on celluloid or on the screen, whether small or big. It was exactly the way a comic book should come out. Um, having episodic, having it episodically worked way better than a movie does. You actually have time to delve into character development. You actually have time to build up your supporting characters. So in this case, you know, Karen Page, Foggy Nelson, um, all those extra characters in there. It just, the way it, it unfolded, it had time to breathe. It had time to build up storylines properly uh, with, you know, with love and dedication. Like they were able to really finesse the show in exactly the right way. It was, it was a thing of beauty. Season 2 came out and they said they were going to do Elektra. Um, no Bullseye though, but they were going to do Elektra and kind of have, you know, more stuff with the hand and all that stuff. And I was really excited for it, but I've never been a huge Elektra fan. 
I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm very aware of who the character is and, and everything she's done in the comics and the importance to Matt Murdock. I mean, I even own the Frank Miller run, um, with the whole death of Electra and the bullseye and all that stuff. I, I, I own all that. And I've read all those a, a number of times and I do love the storyline, but Electra out of all of Matt's romantic liaisons that he's had, Electro for me just wasn't I don't know it just wasn't my favorite thing I don't know there was something about I didn't like her in the comics I guess there was just something about her as a character I just it didn't strike it for me Black Widow sure sure absolutely Spider-Woman yeah sure um Spider-Woman no I think I'm mixing characters up here um I mean all of his all of Matt Murdock's you know deep loves that he's had in the comics that he's screwed every single one up. Um, they're all, I don't know, for some reason they told a better story to me, uh, or it was more in line with, you know, what I like, I guess. But, um, so, I mean, I was, I I was curious to see what they did because uh, unlike many, I was a fan of the daredevil film. I mean, I understand it's schlocky. I understand it's cheesy. Um, and the, the director's cut does a lot to fix that. So there was a, you know, there was a lot of things that could have been done different in the movie. But I mean, at the time, you know, I, I, I didn't expect it to soar to the creative heights that Spider-Man did. Um, but in some ways I liked it better than X-Men, you know, so, you know, just, just, it wasn't as bad a movie and the director's cut really answered a lot of questions of, you know, how the Daredevil film should have played out. I mean, having Johnny Favs as uh, as Foggy was like was perfect, and I really liked Colin Farrell's Bullseye. Like, it worked for me. But you know, I I don't know what I expected going into this Marvel series. I, I but it was way way exceeded my expectations. It was it it, it met everything. I mean, even the grittiness, the visuals of it, it, it felt right out of the comic book. Um, was it Alex Maleev? I think was the artist on the on Daredevil. Like him and Michael Gatos, like Gatos on uh, Jessica Jones and and Maleev on Daredevil. Like, how, how do you go wrong? Like, it was just and the show season one captured that really well. Season two, I think, was I mean it was still very good. It just wasn't it wasn't an A plus like season one. It was more like an A minus or B plus, which is you know still great in my book. But season one, like, I want to go back and watch it again. Season two is like, yeah, I watched it once. I'm good. So it's, it's that thing where things are so great that you want to watch it a number of times. Season two just didn't do it for me. Um, there's a lot of great stuff in it. And, but, I mean, it was what it was. Um, season three going into Dare, Daredevil, maybe I was a bit hesitant to get into it. I knew I was going to watch it eventually. But, I mean, Jessica Jones for me was, was the top show of all those Netflix shows. And Jessica Jones is one of my favorite all-time characters. Um, I think between her and and, um, and Kitty Pride, I mean, it doesn't really get much better than those two characters. They're just such well-rounded characters. I'm uh, taking a little break from today's episode to talk about fanboy or the fanboy and the hater. This great show that I discovered. It has Mike and Jim and they are two funny guys 
two uh, nerds, and I mean that in the best of ways, these guys have taught me a lesson or two about how to keep your podcast interesting. The format that they are using for their podcast is like nothing I've ever seen before. It almost reads or listens like a documentary. They have bits in the show. They have edits. It's not one long conversation. It's multiple conversations. Um, I can't remember exactly how I how I glommed onto them, but <clears throat> when I heard the show and I heard the honesty of it, two people that just retreat into the world of <clears throat> comics and movies and TV and all that sort of stuff. It was like kindred spirit time, big time. Um, this show's great, and I reached out and told them so. It, it it's really good. It's, it's it's unlike anything I've heard before. So I reached out to them, and two great guys. They reached back out to me, and uh, I'm going to play their ad for their show right now. Go listen to it. You can just listen to this ad here and they'll tell you where to find them. These guys are great, man. Like, just when you thought you'd heard it all in podcasting, these guys, I don't know, <laughs> made me reevaluate uh, whether my show stands up or not, or whether I just need to kick myself in the butt and get me and my brother and my partners working harder on our own show. Here's the, uh, here's their clip. I'm Mike Hall. I'm Jim Harris. I'm the fanboy. I'm the hater. Our podcast is The Fanboy and the Hater. Where we discuss the best and worst in movies, TV, and pop culture. We are available on all major podcast platforms. Including Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and many more. Join us while we argue about the things that we love... Like Star Wars, superheroes, and science fiction. And the things that we wish were better. Like Star Wars, superheroes, and science fiction. So tune in to The Fanboy and the Hater. We would be honored if you would join us. It is your destiny. finally got around to watching season three we did jessica jones season three first because that was the priority i mean that was out that was our show and um so we finally sat down to watch it and it was a slow build very good storytelling you know let's kind of explain where things are where you know matt's not in his right mind he's you know messed up as he always tends to be but it was a story about I'm just having a hard time getting in this lane here. Uh, anyway, it was, I mean, it was, it was good. It was a slow buildup, but once it started going uh, around, you know, episode three or four, I guess maybe even five, it really stepped up the business. Like it was really, really good. Um, the, the whole buildup to the villain, which I don't know if you've seen it or not. I'm not going to spoil anything. I don't, I don't think this is the time to spoil things, but the, the villain, um, which was announced, or was it announced? The, 
yeah, I have to spoil a little bit here. So my apologies, but Kingpin is the villain. And the whole buildup of Kingpin, there's no way this would have worked in a film. At all. The way they built up Kingpin in this, because they had the time to tell the story, they had the ability to tell it. They were able to really build up the mystique of uh, Mr. Fisk. They're able to tell the story of how he his rise to power and why people feared him. I guess you have the length of time to actually build it up the way you want to build it up. I mean, the Kingpin in the comics, they've had all these, you know, you know, 40 years or 50 years or, or whatever the heck it is to build up the menace of Kingpin. And when you see Kingpin up front, face front, you see, you see who the character is, you know, this large guy in a white suit. I mean, I mean, he, yeah, he does look intimidating and, and they've drawn him sometimes less intimidating looking or more intimidating looking, or they make him, you know, bigger than he, maybe he really is. Or, I mean, from a physically, from a physical standpoint, they can make him look kind of scary, but the fear people have of Kingpin is not based on his physical presence. Yes, that physical presence is there, but the fear of the Kingpin is his ability to control everything. And you can't show that. You can't just say he runs the town. Um, you know, everyone's on his, you know, everyone's under his thumb. Uh, you can't make a statement like that and have it mean something. You have to get people to feel it. And in season three of Daredevil, they, he starts out as not really the kingpin. He's just Wilson Fisk. You know, someone went to jail and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he, he, he's not that impressive. And we've seen moments in season one where, you know, a violent streak would come out. And, uh, I mean, it's very fearsome and very impressive, very scary. But it's not enough. There's... The thing with the Kingpin, with Wilson Fisk, he is a far more terrifying villain because of the history. He's a guy in the comics, I mean, for years, he'd never been convicted. He'd never got caught. He always won. The, you know, even though he fought Spider-Man and Daredevil and, you know, a number of other heroes, he's the guy that just never got defeated. He always had uh, a backdoor. He always had uh, a loophole like legally or, or otherwise, he always had a way out and he always maintained his position of power. Now that's been questioned here and there from time to time, but basically for someone to hold that kind of power in a world of superheroes where he's just a big strong man, I mean, he's not, he's not a supervillain in, in that regard, but he holds the supervillain moniker because he is that fearsome. He is that terrifying an individual. And he does make people afraid. And you can't do that in the span of a two-hour movie. You know, peace, love, and hugs to Michael Clark Duncan, one, you know, one of the greatest human beings on the planet. And I thought his take on Daredevil in the, um, in, in the film was great. But you only had an hour and a half to build that guy up. If you were going to have him in the movies, you would have need to be building that guy up over a, a number of movies. He's in the background. He's the guy pulling the strings. But then you have to really show that people take shots. It's almost like building up Thanos over, they built him up over 12 years. He's the, the kind of character that needs to be built up that way, to be built up that way. 
they did it really well in the show. I mean, they introduce him in season one, they bring him back uh, for season three, and then you you really get the scope. And around episode five or six, it's like there's nothing they can do. He is unstoppable. He's like a juggernaut. You cannot stop him. If he puts his mind to something and he decides he's going to do something in the city, he is so well connected. He is so feared, respected, whatever. There is nothing he can't do. And, and Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin, um, every little nuance of his acting on the character is absolutely batshit brilliant. Um, he nails like there's so like there's so many levels to the Kingpin, and he's so good. He's he's not one dimensional. He's just so he's over the top, but he's not. He's He's poetic, he's he's grace, and then sometimes he's a brutal, vicious animal. But he's able to convey all of that without being hammy, without being forced. It's just it's just a wonderful job. I don't know how he got into this character and figured out how to play him, but it is pure fucking genius. Like it's that simple. Um, his henchmen in this movie, which I don't want to give away. Um, but that is really good too. And the whole buildup of that and using Kingpin as the linchpin for, for his assassin and how he does it. It's just, it just, it's just so good. And, you know, and Foggy really got a chance to shine, uh, in this season, which I really liked. I know some people didn't like Foggy. They found him annoying. They found him whatever. Hey, he was playing, he was playing the character the way from the comics, he was the, you know, the sidekick and maybe a little bit of bluster there. And, you know, maybe he's not as good in court as Matt. But by season three, you find out with Foggy is, you know what? Maybe he doesn't have the, the appeal. Maybe he's not, you know, as attractive as Matt Murdock. Or maybe he's not as good in the courtroom as Matt Murdock. He doesn't have any of his gifts to tell if someone's lying. He doesn't have any of that. But the one thing that Foggy has above anyone else is his perseverance. He will always believe in the truth and he will always believe in people more than Matt, more than anybody. He's just, that's his, that's his power. If you want to say he has a power, yeah, he's got a power and that's the power. He cannot be denied. He will find, he's just unshakable, completely unshakable. Um, so it, it was it was nice to see that Matt can't do anything without his friends. And even though he thinks he's being, um, by being uh, selfless, by, you know, trying to keep them out of the line of fire and to protect them and he shuts them out, you know, just to protect them and all this stuff. From a selfless perspective, he's actually being very selfish. And I like the flaws. They, they kept the flaws. And Matt Murdock is probably the most flawed superhero but that's what makes us like him. You know, he's not, he's not the, he's not the best. He just, he's got that boxer mentality. He just keeps going. He gets hit and he goes down and he gets back up. But, you know, and he, and he recriminates. Like he, he second guesses himself and all that stuff. Like it, this is a great version of Daredevil. And Suffice to say, by the end of season three, I'm more than happy with how the show worked out 
all the actors, particularly our lead as Matt Murdock, Daredevil, everything is good. I, I, there isn't anything about it that I can gripe at. It's such a sh- solid characterization of the show, but not just, uh, sorry, of the comic, but not just the comic, everything within the comic. They don't skimp on anything. They don't, well, we're not going to include this character. Um, my God, like, it's just, it's just so good. And I, I, I still go back, like, you see a movie like Endgame, like Infinity War and Endgame, and say, like, yeah, you know, those are great films, and they are great films. But, and they talk about the crowning achievement of Endgame, and, you know, how, you know, a movie, nothing's ever done anything like that before. You know, it's it's, it's a first, a first of many, uh, and, and all that. And it's very, very true. But so is Daredevil. It's the first of many. I don't know, outside of Jessica Jones, I don't know if anyone can compete with how great this show was, how pitch perfect it was, how it not only captured the characters, but even the mood and the, the all those different things, like the lighting and the, and the way it's shot, just the, the way the, the action is choreographed. It's just all of it is like just so so immersive it's an immersive experience i think really that's the best way to describe it it's completely and utterly immersive you watch the show you're in it and you fear for yourself and you second guess everything you do oh and agent nadim in season three what a whole that whole thing i don't like they gave this guy a lead role in it i don't know if he's from the comics i don't ever recall that maybe i'd have to go back and read and see but regardless uh, that whole character arc with Agent Nadim is, is is just well executed, really well done, very truthful. Um, uh, we're all human. We're all we all have failings. None of us are perfect, and uh, that depiction of this character was 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 spot on. Karen Page, I mean Deborah Wall, I I can't. She is she is something else. I want to see her in anything else. I don't know. I don't know if there is a, uh, an, an actress, actor, actress um, of that caliber. She's she's so good. She's so good. I there's so much nuance to what she does as well as an actress. Like she's taking the time to let us into the character, but she's so careful in her performance she's not giving us too much she's always hinting she's always leading but you're never getting to know her and then when you finally get to know her a little bit more like every little bit like you're just scraping to find out who is Karen Page who is she what is like what is her motivation you never really really know she's just so good as an actress of, of, of conveying like with her face and the way she speaks and just her mannerisms how she's letting you in and then she's blocking you off and letting you in just that ability to do that as an actor. I don't I don't know how you do that. Like how, like did she plan this? Like I, I don't know. It very fascinating. Like for, you know, like I I've done some acting before. I am not, you know, I'm not a rookie. I'm I'm not great at an actor, but I'm I'm a I'm a story writer and I don't know how I could convey in the written word what she conveyed as an actress in this role. I don't know how you could do that as a writer, how you could be that good of of using subtlety, 
and, 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 and being showy and then pulling back on the showiness and just that right match and mix. Like she's, she's great. Like she's by far like a standout in that show. Like there, there's no doubt uh, between her and D'Onofrio. I mean, everyone's great. Don't get me wrong, but those were complicated performances and uh, they both pulled it off. I'm going to cap it off here. I just wanted to talk about it a bit and put this one in the bank. But the last thing I want to say is the whole MCU side of things and uh, the talk of, of um, you know, it'd be great to see if these characters could cross over into the MCU. Um, in this show, I think Karen Page could very easily do so. It would work. Wilson Fisk, for sure. Um, Daredevil would be nice, but in terms of the necessity to make things work, like how they dragged, uh, what's his name? The guy who plays General Ross. God damn it. I apologize, people. But how they uh, dragged General Ross into the Avengers movies from Incredible Hulk, which they've kind of ignored everything from Incredible Hulk. Um, just the character's the same, but kind, but not. How they did all that... Um, it was really, really good. And I think they could, if they're going to do that with another character, like they did with General Ross, I think they could do it with, with, um, uh, with, uh, Kingpin. Have him in the background, you know, just have him show up and you don't have to allude to the Daredevil show. He just, just like they did with the Incredible Hulk movie. Like, yeah, Ed Norton was the Hulk and you had Liv Tyler as Betty Ross and you had all these things in there and still the same character and you, you don't, refer back to what happened in the past but you know it's the same character they they could do the same thing with Wilson, Wilson Fisk but don't if you're going to do it bring D'Onofrio in uh, and, and I think Karen Page would work good if they're going to work the Daily Bugle angle um, and um, Yurik, Ben Yurik, the whole Ben Yurik thing like it would make sense on the Spider-Man side I would love to see um, something happen there but I mean we'll see but anyway overall Daredevil was a masterpiece pure and simple it's breaking it's on the level of breaking bad good it's that great anyway we're gonna sign off here uh, see you guys on the flip side